Hey, this is Sailor. Welcome to another episode of Metal Rock and Whiskey. Hello, gentlemen. Hello, Sailor. Hello. What's Good going on, guys? Again. Yeah. Well, it's been forever. Oh, not much. It's worn right. I'm like this deep in the holidays right now, which is mm. yeah, Thanksgiving. We got Christmas coming up and all those other good things. So yeah. we are deep in it. We are deep in it for sure. Yeah. So. Some idiot had to go and open a freaking retail business. So uh, I'm coming off. Oh gosh. I don't know. I went a month without a day off and we, we Robin and I decided on Thursday, we were just going to take a day off. So, and then we were back at it. So I'm wiped out. Thanks holidays. That's the holidays as an adult, you know? Yeah. Well, now you get to uh, take a little break and hang out with your buds and do this show. Yeah. So you guys better be awesome tonight. Better be worth it. Oh, jeez. Try our best. It is our season finale. So we we got to. It's our season finale. We got to. We got to leave on a cliffhanger and we're going to make you guys wait for a month. You know? Yeah. (laughs) All that shit. Oh, yeah. So uh, here we are, as Matt said, uh, tonight is our season finale for 2021. And let me tell you, I had high hopes for 2021, but this bitch didn't <laughs> suck as much as 2020, but she wasn't that great either. Well, the so, sequel is never as good as you know. the original. so <laughs> That's true. But part three might be good, right? So here's to 2022 uh no pressure but you better get your shit together um so lots of changes this past year for some of us and um we didn't record as much um as i wanted to but you know say lovey such as life but i think we had some pretty damn good shows this year and uh i'm really proud of what we did um for Halloween. If you have not watched it yet, first of all, F you, go watch it now. And when I say watch it, I mean watch it on the YouTubes. We put a ton of work into that. It was so much fun. And um, a ton of makeup. A ton of makeup. A ton of hairspray for some of us. Yes. um hours of editing hours of writing it's fucking ridiculous but it was so fun and uh, i haven't been able to get through the whole thing still i've gotten i've watched it like three times and i just die laughing it's so i can't look at matt's face i don't know how (laughs) i got through it (laughs) no joke i watch a lot of youtube stuff on a lot of different channels it might be the greatest youtube video of all time it might it and, just and, might in all of youtubery yes <laughs> oh you have to go watch it so. go watch it watch there it. you go let's see what else um we talked about some hair metal this past year yes. which we'll get back to yes <laughs> we, it's an ongoing love um, the hair metal it's ongoing. will never end. I think Ed and I got into our first real knockdown drag out fight over white snake this year. Oh yeah. That was, that was one of the uh, more significant moments of the year. 
it will be forever called the White Snake Incident of 2021. <laughs> Rightfully so. Um, we went a whole year without anybody falling off their chairs drunk, so that was good. That's right. right? Yeah, this was probably our most sober year. I mean, not that we were sober, but I mean, you know, there wasn't as much consumption uh, this season than as, as past seasons, for sure. Um, Some more a sailor, a sailor downs her whiskey. Hey, this is my first real glass of whiskey in a long, long time. So Touché. here's hoping I can get back to drinking next year. Um, let's see what else. Um, you guys Matt paid, and I recorded uh, yep, together for the first. That's time. right. Well, yep. Ed and I, Ed, we didn't record together this year. We saw each other, but Matt and I recorded. For well, the no, first you time. visited. Paul we did. We a few. Yeah, Paul Hutko at. Uh, oh East shit! Paris. That's right. Well, that whole trip was really traumatic. <laughs> kind of went in and out of my brain you're absolutely right that was that was an insane trip <laughs> um so now what's left to do for next year is for all three of us to record together in the same room so ed is coming down to florida mm-hmm. and we're gonna have a kick-ass we'll, we'll have something really cool planned for next year guys so Come back for that. What else? We went down yeah, under no, this year. Yeah, we had a lot of amazing <laughs> guests this year. Oh my gosh. Yes. yes. Yep. Yep. Yes, so, we did. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, we figured since it's, you know, we're getting close to the end of the year and the holidays are upon us, we should just end it for the year now. And so that's what we're doing. And um, we're going to end it with a really bizarre band for us to cover. And to end our season with, I I think so. <laughs> I don't know about you guys, but we shall see. Um, this one might be a battle. It might not be a battle. I think that remains to be seen. Um, we also, you know, didn't talk a ton about whiskey this year because for various reasons, a lot of us, we weren't drinking all year. So next year, we will definitely get back to more um intense pairings and i know you guys have all missed my poetry so i'll make sure that i have a new poem geared up for valentine's day i always look forward to that one (laughs) um let's see what else what's in the news anything important or interesting in the news that we should discuss i don't know about important but uh this guy seems to keep popping up in all of our episodes but uh, and it's, def- it's definitely someone I'm not thankful for. But uh, yeah, Machine Gun Kelly's in the news again. Fuck him. Calling out the Grammys because who gives a shit about the Grammys? So he just can't seem well, to too. get himself away from controversy. But I don't know. Seems that way with him lately. But yeah, he was basically saying what the fuck is wrong with the Grammys because he has somehow he has a number one album and uh no nominations. So. Oh, yeah. poor thing. Yeah. Well, I mean, fuck the Grammys, of course. One, two. I think that this little shit bag is taking a page out of Chappelle's book where he's just desperate to be relevant. And I think the controversy is bullshit. I think it's just to stay, you know, to stay relevant. It's the fear of being obsolete. It's the fear of why am I not being talked about, you know, 
and I think maybe not feeling like they can stand on their body of work. And so, you know, I don't know. That's what I think it's about. Well, they certainly, guys like this, and we've seen it throughout music history, they have an extremely short shelf life. So, oh, yeah. I mean, extremely short. Yeah. Yeah. Who? What? I don't yeah, exactly. Even know. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So let's not spend another minute on that little fucker. Nope. Um, let's talk about what we're drinking tonight and let's get right to our subject because this is a big one, like big, big one. There is a ton to unpack with this band. But first, Matt, why don't you take us into our whiskey segment? Sure, I will. Uh, and as I can only piggyback off what Sailor said, this is a big show, albeit maybe not what you would expect from us on the season finale. Um, but we are all three drinking tonight. And as you know, the name of the show is Metal Rock and Whiskey. Whiskey is the third word, not the least important. Uh, but I will start with what I'm having. Uh, and I cracked this little puppy open because it is something that I have not had in quite a long time. And this band that we're going to talk about has no shortage of hits, as we will see. But this brand also, the hits keep on coming every year as well. So uh, year after year after year, highly rated, consistent, consistent as well. So I'm drinking Redbreast 15 year. Oh, Ooh, nice so, choice. Yes, went a little higher end, uh, but uh, it's just a beautiful, it's 100% pot still. Uh, it's rich. It's on the sweet side. It's got a great mouthfeel. It is just absolutely everything that you want. Number one in an Irish. And I think number two in that higher end price point of a hundred bucks, it is worth every penny. Um, not always available, unfortunately now, but, mm -hmm. uh, if you have a hundred bucks to spend and you're looking for a top flight, uh, whiskey, I would hundred thousand percent recommend red breast 15 year. Cheers. Cheers, Matt. And I would agree with you. That stuff mm -hmm. is amazing. Yeah. I've had the 12, 12 years is pretty darn good, but. Yeah. yeah. Oh, the fifteen is fifteen. is a little sweeter. It's got it's got more perceived mm -hmm. sweetness, honey. I think some, it's more raisiny too. Yeah, dried fruits. Like, yeah, I would agree with you on that. What about their cat? I know they just released a cask strength one. How many years is that one age stated? Or wait, it's aren't not... we supposed to be getting a sample of that? I have a bottle of it here, um, which I had on one of our shows. I don't know if it was this season or last season. Um, but that was really, really good. And it doesn't drink like the proof that it is, which I think is like 54%, but, uh, really good. But that has a lot of sweetness too. Um, and some grassiness to it from what I remember without going back into my notes, but that's a great bottle too. Cool. Yeah. Nice right. choice. Yes. Ed, what about you? Well, I am. I know we mentioned it earlier how uh, we were reminiscing about uh, going to Few Spirits in Evanston and talking to Mr. Paul Hletko, friend of the show. And um, I have one of his uh, later latest creations right here. There's this little signature on the bottle right there. Yeah. That is it. And this is their... Oh, colors are weird. But anyway... <laughs> If you can see it, it's their uh, 10th anniversary bourbon. 
And what makes this bourbon unique is it is not a three grain, but a four grain bourbon. And it's 93 proof, which is, I think, uh, let's see. I believe it's higher than their stand. No, it's the same, same uh, proof as their standard bourbon, but it's just got the, um, that fourth grain in there. So, and this was, I don't know how many of these bottles they made, but I know it's a limited run and you can only mm -hmm. get in Illinois. So I was fortunate enough to pick up one of these and I may go looking for a backup to see if there are any left. And thank so you good. for sending me a bottle, Ed. I am so glad I thought of that and asked you. I am really <laughs> excited to taste it. If oh, I yeah. didn't leave it at the office, I probably would have been drinking that tonight. But yeah, it is, I don't know, they don't say what age is on here, but it tastes like it's got a couple more years on it than their uh, standard bourbon. Yeah, according, I, according to, uh, sorry, according to the whiskey wash, it's six years old, six years old. Okay, I believe that. Yep, yep, yep. yep. Yeah, and, and just look, comparing the color from the two bottles, you can tell it's just mm -hmm. a little bit darker. So, but yeah, it's a, a lot of, you know, figs, dried fruit on a nose um, and the palate. Some, a little vanilla, little, you can taste the oak. It's just, just yummy. It's uh it's got a lot, it's got a, it's a more of a sweet bourbon. If you're a fan of sweet bourbons, um, very dessert like, yeah, I, I'm a huge fan of this bottle. So yeah, I can't, can't wait to, to hear what, what you think of it, Sailor. I will make sure I crack it this week. Very nice. Well, I it's nice. funny. I was going to go for my few rye, and I saw the I have the like leftovers, the last few drams of this Nika Days Japanese whiskey. Mm. Um if I had prepared, I would have been drinking something American, but I didn't. And this is what I grabbed. It's so, so good. Um, we had a we had a whiskey dinner, well, spirits dinner a couple weeks ago. And I busted this out and poured this for everybody. And it's just everybody, I think, agreed that was their favorite of the night. Right, Matt? Oh, uh, yes. Days. Yes. It's just so beautiful. Um, it's just a really, it's a bright, it's kind of a bright, I hate to use this term, but bright and sunny single malt, um, with lots and lots of complexity and, um, it every, I feel like every sip brings something a little bit different. And I love when whiskeys do that where you're like, Oh, I remember this or, Oh, what's that flavor? Um, kind of like our band tonight, actually. Um, I forget how good this is until I go back to it. And so um, big fan of Japanese whiskey, of course, huge, huge, huge fan. Anytime um, I can get my hands on something killer that's really Japanese whiskey is always um, a good pour. And the Nika Days is definitely one of my top favorites. So I love it. And that's what I'm drinking tonight. So cheers, everybody. Cheers. Cheers. Well, with that being said, let's play a song. He had a 
haven't guessed by now tonight we're gonna be talking about the eagles yes dun 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 and everybody passes out big reveal (laughs) (laughs) so gosh where do you start with a band like the eagles well i guess i say one of the original super groups for sure i guess we start um, somewhere in 19, about 1971, um, in LACA, um, you know, briefly Matt and I were chatting before talking about how many hits, um, they got out, you know, in their early days in such a short period of time. Mm-hmm. Um, their lifespan was pretty short initially. Um, so they're considered one of the most successful bands in the world, which I would absolutely agree with. Um, they have, uh, so many singles, like top hit singles, like number one, top five, we, we, we'd be here forever talking about it. Um, and then the musicians separately, um, I mean, then they went on to have, you know, their own careers and be incredibly successful. Um, and their greatest hits album, um, is the best selling album, um, in the U S, uh, with 38 million sold. And, um, I think that we should just get out of the way, like right now. We're not going to talk about, well, we can talk about it, but we're not going to play a clip called Hotel California because I will literally just scratch my eyes out and kill my eardrums if I have to hear that song again. I think that we, we've discussed this several times on the show when the radio kills a song for you, kind of like Stairway to Heaven. Those two songs should be retired. They should put them in a vault and say, we will will not play them again for another 300 years, and then we'll pull these songs out and play them again. They've been played. They've been played enough, like beyond enough, infinity enough. Retire them and never play them again, kinda at like, least in uh, my lifetime. Yeah. Kind of like, you know, don't stop believing. But you know what's no, fun, though, like is I watched a video on YouTube today about uh, there's a couple, you know, obviously they're younger. They're probably in their, you know, early 20s um, listening to Hotel California for the first time. In fact, listening to the Eagles for the first time and their reaction to Hotel California. And it's like their minds were blown. So and it's like I would give anything to go back and to be able to erase that from my memory and live, listen to that for the first time again. Because it's just regardless of how I mean, overplayed it is. It's sure. Such a great song. Yeah. Well, and it I'm, is a fantastic I'm, song. Yeah, I'm not saying it's not a great song at all. 
you know, much like Stairway to Heaven, you know, what I'm saying is that you can ruin a song and then you can go beyond that. And I don't know how to articulate or know what the word would be when you go beyond ruining something and then ruining it again and then just... <laughs> I just, can't, I just can't take it anymore. <laughs> that song really, I mean, that's how you would torture me, basically, is just playing that song over and over and over. So we just wanted to get that out of the way. Um, so these guys were inducted into our favorite hall, which is the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, which can go fuck itself. Um in 1998 they're considered one of the world's best-selling bands ever um which i'm not surprised to hear um a lot of strife like a lot of strife with this band talk about the drama rama oh my god so much drama and you know fights on stage and then you know um bashing each other in the media with the press and then saying, you know, that's it. We're done. We're breaking up and I'll, you know, I'll play with you again, you know, when hell freezes over and then, um, <laughs> which they broke up in 1980 and then reunited in 1984 for the album. Hell freezes over 1994. It was longer than that. What'd I say? 84. I'm at 94. Sorry. Yeah. Yes. I was there for that tour. Yeah, and then that was awesome. They broke up again, and then got back together again. So you know they're they're one of those bands, but they what they contributed to American music and music around the world, you know, I mean, is incredibly impressive and incredibly important. So I think that trying to do a battle with this band I think would be really strange um you know if you want to talk about their original studio albums which spans from 1972 to 1979 which I would say was like you know the classic Eagles right mm -hmm. I don't know how exactly we would battle these albums but we could try And Let's crickets. see which what are what are the albums we're, well, I don't, we're yeah. talking about here. So we've got Oops. Eagles, Desperado, On the Border, One of These Nights, Hotel California, and The Long Run. You'd have to battle them all. Well, yeah. we don't have time for that shit. <laughs> don't have time for that shit. That's yeah. exactly what I'm saying. It would be like uh, ten shows or something. I don't know. I don't even know how we'd whittle that shit down. Um, I mean, if we take the album Hotel California, my eyes are beginning to bleed and my ears are coming next. I mean, you've got Hotel California, New Kid in Town, Life in the Fast Lane. I mean, Witchy Woman, Already Gone. One of these. I mean, holy uh, shit. Hit after hit after yeah, hit. Seriously. I mean, that's 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 one album, um, and then the album one of these nights, um, Lion Eyes, Take Ridiculous. It to the Limit, 
Um, yeah, it's just one of these nights. Yeah. 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 So I think one of the things that I love about the Eagles, and I was, I was saying this before we started is, okay, so you have albums. Okay. You have, obviously we just talked about hotel California. Okay, great. But then you have a song like desperado. Then you have a song like heartache tonight, already gone, peaceful, easy feeling. And then my absolute, absolute, absolute favorite. So one of my favorite songs definitely would be up there in like my, you know, top couple hundred songs ever. The range of these guys is just really fantastic. Not the range, but the, uh, the versatility of mm-hmm. the band, how many different types of, um, it seems like they they're definitely solidly in the rock category, but you make could make an argument for crossing over into different genres. Absolutely. For these guys. Yep. Oh yeah. Um, you've got country, you've got easy listening, like light rock, whatever they used to call yeah. that. And these guys um, can harmonize yeah. too. I mean, yes. like as good as anyone. Yes. Um, I know they always, um, at the beginning of their concerts, like, you know, Metallica has the ecstasy of gold. I think these guys, they always play their just acapella, all them harmonizing Seven Bridges Road, which is just, which is pretty cool if you've never heard it. That's awesome. But they, um, I mean, the cohe- the cohesion it takes to jump in and out of genres like that um, speaks to them as musicians, obviously. But when you throw in, and we're going to, I'm sure we're going to get into it, but when you throw in everything that happened behind the scenes, it makes that, it makes that even more impressive that they were able to, at least for that short period of time in the studio or writing songs, get on that same page. Mm-hmm. Yep. Agreed. Yep. So it's funny. I had a dream recently, maybe like a couple months ago. And I don't like, I don't consider the Eagles, like one of my favorite bands. I don't really even think about them. I have no idea where this dream came from, but I had this dream that I got to sit down with. Um, I think it was Glenn Fry, and just kind of, I don't remember what the point of the dream was, but I got to be like, you know, I don't, I don't think I even really like your band that much. Like, I don't really like your music. And he was like, okay, well, what about this song? And I was like, oh, yeah, I, I really like that song. And he's like, well, what about this song? What about this song? And I was like, oh, shit, I do <laughs> like a lot of your songs. <laughs> but it was like, have you ever had these dreams where you got to talk to someone that, you know, you would never get to talk to in, in person? And it isn't like all fucked up and weird, like a weird dream. You actually like feel 
like a resolution that happened to me was I had a dream about John Cusack and my dream I literally sat at a table and we drank coffee and had a conversation I got to ask him all the things I wanted to ask him when I woke up next morning I felt like cool awesome (laughs) I got that accomplished like directly conversation yeah directly out of a rom-com sitting at a coffee table talking well, to John the point was that we were just having a conversation <laughs> yeah, and yeah, I yeah. Had all these like questions he's one of my favorite actors and um but he's a total fucking weirdo and so but I felt like I felt like resolved like I got to do that and I realized I'm talking to myself because I'm dreaming it <laughs> afterwards but I'm just gonna focus on the fact that I felt like it was accomplished and this is there what this go. felt this dream felt like I got to say like okay fine you guys have a ton of top hits that i really like but as a as a sum of all your parts i don't really like your band and he was like okay fair enough and i was like all right cool we got that out of the way that's funny that's, yeah. it's usually it's usually the opposite you know usually when they go off on their own that's the stuff that you don't you're, you're not accustomed to and the sum of the parts is the best part right but True. uh yeah that's weird. so different for me with this band for sure um I'm a huge Joe Walsh fan. I it definitely has to do with the the time in our you know in my life when I went was in high school. So Joe Walsh was huge when I was like, what was that Ed like? Oh yeah, my you know year. Yeah, they were Joe Walsh was big. Um, probably you know the mid early early mid eighties. I think it was um, like late 80s, wasn't it? Like late 80s, even early. Yeah, like mid late 80s. Yeah, I'm I remember sure he had, he was him. still touring then. Um, I just remember I had a friend who was super into Joe Walsh, and that was, he was always listening to his albums in the car, and that was, you know, probably 85, 86, somewhere around there. We were pretty, pretty young, just starting to drive. Um, yeah, 83 through 87, he had his most success. So, right, like you said, right. In yeah. That- time frame yes yeah exactly yeah. i mean what high school kid of our age can't instantly instantly sing my maserati does 185 i lost my license and now i can't drive yes life's been good good to me so far yeah so i mean awesome song yeah. So I think I discover, I think it was like into Joe Walsh before I re- even realized he was in the Eagles. I think I didn't know that when I started. Too. Here, right. Yeah. Yeah. It's like you have that moment where it, it, there's been so many <laughs> solo artists like that, where you, you, you really dig in this artist and you realize like, or like Lionel Richie. Oh, he was in the Commodores. No yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> totally. Totally. Yeah, I don't think I think I actually went to listen to the Eagles because someone was like, oh, yeah, he's from the Eagles. And I was like, oh, the Eagles. And I'm thinking like my mom's music. And (laughs) I went back and so I went and listened to some Eagles and I actually went into her record collection. I was like, what the hell? And I instantly didn't want to like it because it was her music. It was hippie music. But, of course, I recognized so many songs. I was like, damn it. I like that song. And I like that. Damn it. I like that song, too. (laughs) (laughs) But, um, yeah, Joe Walsh, I think, definitely. And again, and and also Don Henley. Oh, yeah. I was a huge Don Henley fan. Voice of Summer is like one of my favorite tunes. 
again, like he was, I think, about the same 1986, right? Yep. Boys of Summer. Building the Dirty piece. Laundry before that, Dirty too. Laundry. And they didn't stop. It, you know, Dirty Laundry came out in, was it 80? No. When did Dirty Laundry come out? Early 80s. Yeah. Um, and I, they they didn't stop playing those two albums. They bumped up against each other, which is pretty impressive. Um, but you yeah, could 81 not... for Dirty Laundry. Okay. Ah, okay. Yeah, yeah. Yep. So, yep, right, right there. The Boys of Summer, forget it. I mean, you couldn't All get away from that song. All she wants to do is dance. All she wants to do is dance. Yeah, I mean, his body of work, too. Holy smokes. Um, yeah, Heart of the Matter. Just, it's crazy. Another one of those rare drummers that actually functions as lead singer, similar to, like, Phil Collins and Genesis. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, not many people know he started as a drummer. And he had a very um, important relationship with a another musician, a songstress that we all know very, very well. Um, that his the reason I'm going to bring this up in his personal life is because apparently um, he wrote a lot of songs either about their relationship or the breakup um, of their relationship. And uh, that would be Stevie Nicks. Mm. Yep. I was not aware of that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. There was a lot of lawsuits with this band as well. Um, there was a big, really <clears throat> public lawsuit with Geffen Records, and that was Don Henley, who was, um, I think, <laughs> I think, unfortunately, I don't know. I shouldn't say this because I don't know. But, um, you know, imagine you're the Eagles label and they want to break up and you're like, I will literally do whatever it takes to not let you guys break up. <laughs> Please keep making records. Um so there was there was a lot of lawsuits after the breakup due to the breakup and then their um, solo careers and who had publishing rights and who didn't and who could play the Eagles songs, you know, and who couldn't during their own solo tours, things like that. So um, a lot of controversy there. And of course, um, you know, Glenn, Don Henley, Joe Walsh, they're not the only, I mean, those are, I would say, I don't know if you guys would agree, the most famous um, eagles, right? Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. but, yeah, absolutely. Of course, Glenn Fry, we didn't mention, is no longer with us. Yes. When did he pass? Yes. Was it in 2020? No, 2016. No, 2016. Oh, gosh. Yeah, yeah I know. Well, time flies. It doesn't yeah, seem like it was 2020 as well. No, January I mean, I 2016, yeah. Oh geez. Yeah. Wow. Because we had mentioned okay. him passing on an on an older episode. Yes. We did. Yeah. Yep. Well, also, um, you know, Vince Gill, another one where I went, What? Vince Gill was in the Eagles? Huh? Oh, it looks like yeah, in the just like the past few years from 18 to present. Yeah, he's in the band. He's touring with yeah. them. Yeah, now. he's in the band. Well, yeah. I mean yeah. 
but again, um, I just think it's so interesting the artists that they have, that they were, that they became, that they've attracted, that have played with them. Um, yeah, just super, super interesting. I mean, there, there's such a huge story. Um, I think that, I don't know, I go back and forth on whether I would say I'm an Eagles fan. I think I would say I'm a fan of the musicians, for sure. I definitely like a ton of Eagles songs, so I guess I'm a fan of the Eagles. Yeah, the Eagles, it's, it's funny. It's not one of those bands that I listen to regularly these mm -hmm. days, but when I do hear their music, I I totally enjoy it. I love listening to it um, whenever one of their songs comes on, for sure. Likewise, and I think nothing about them as a band is flashy nothing really sticks out um i mean the musicality is there obviously but there's nothing you, you know what i mean that like they're they're easy to sort of like if you're listing top 10 bands of all time or top 20 you'd be like oh shit i forgot the eagles you know they got to be in there when you look at everything you know in total but um they're just great musicians I mean, they're they just, all great musicians and they caught lightning in a bottle for a short period of time. And these songs will last forever. That's so the I, thing there is. Yeah, there is yeah. no gimmick to them. There doesn't need to be. They're exactly. solid singers. They're solid musicians, solid writers. They just get up there in their flannels and their jeans and do their thing. You know? <laughs> you know, I think it's interesting. It's true. <laughs> I think it's interesting that... Um, how we've talked about we've talked about this of course so many times you know how movies can can bring a band back into or a musician back into the spotlight kind of and revive their career and that certainly happened um if you remember uh i can't remember exactly what year it was um the uh was it called the young guns yeah and desperado was the title track of the film and boom, that song hits number one on the charts. And everybody is, you know, young, younger people are, who sings this? Who, what, who's this band? Who's this band? You know, and it's the Eagles. And I remember being with my friends and they're like, oh, we got to go buy that. We got to go buy the, you know, I don't, probably the tape at the time, the tape of the soundtrack. Do you oh, remember geez. that? You know what? That's funny. I do not remember that song being in the movie. The only song I remember from that movie was Bon Jovi's um, Shot Down in a Blaze of Glory, that Blaze of Glory song. Yeah. That's the only one I remember. For it. I don't I'm remember Desperado. I'm almost positive Des Desperado. Or was there a Desperado movie? There was I'm a movie called you. Desperado. I okay, think then, it was then, with then that's uh, what it was. Antonio then... Banderas. Yeah, okay, that was in the 90s. So that, that would make more sense, I think. Um. That's what it was. That's what it was. Okay. Yeah. But I just remember being with friends and then being and that and it 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 skyrocketed that song again. And my friends were like, Oh, what what is this? I'm like, Oh, that's the Eagles. Don't you don't you know them? Yeah, that was nineteen ninety five, um, so quite a bit of separation okay. from their stuff to then. So it makes, yeah. it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. So I think that, you know when we talk about some of these these bands that write these songs that just go on forever, whether you want them to or not, like Stairway to Heaven, you know, Hotel California, this, why? 
that's what I want to know. Why this song? Why is it this song that gets played forever? What well, is it about this song in specific? It's got a, a killer dual guitar solo, which like lasts like the last third of the song, which is just once you get in there in the zone listening to that, it's just amazing. Um, it's got a story to it. It's interesting to listen to. It's got a, it's got, it's easy to sing along to. It's catchy. And there's so much folklore around this song. Cause like, what yep. does it mean? You know, that's, it's a, it's just very interesting lyrics and the whole concept of the song is pretty cool. Um, yeah. We're yeah, having this. It's just yeah. got so much to it. So many layers to this song. My father-in-law is a huge Eagles fan, and we always seem, anytime we get a few in us, we always seem to, this song will always come on, you know, the playlist, and we always seem to get deep into the weeds on the song. <laughs> um, but last time, and I made the comparison, I think it, it holds true. I like To me, the song is like the Wizard of Oz of, of songs, because you appreciate for how classic it is and how great it is, but then when you find out that there's deeper meanings behind everything, you appreciate it, appreciate it even more. And it adds to that longevity as much as you don't like it. It's really not going anywhere. <laughs> the song's going to yeah. be here forever. Oh, I'm aware. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so Don Felder is the one who wrote the music, the composed the song, the melody. Mm -hmm. Right. And um, there's been a lot of, if you look up like, you know, what's the meaning, you know, there's, too many conflicting things that's that's the problem with this song so don henley don and glenn were the ones who wrote most of the words to it and so don says well you know we were we drove into la at night none of us were from california and if you drive into la at night you can just see the glow on the horizon of lights coming from outside of the city and the images ran through my head of Hollywood and all the dreams that people had that go there and, um, you know, whether they work out or whether they don't. Um, and then um, Glenn said, you know, they're kind of talking about the Beverly Hills Hotel um, and, you know, some of the things that have happened at the Beverly Hills Hotel. And then they said they wanted to write it kind of like a movie and have like a cinematic perspective um, and kind of make it that they were driving in from the desert and all of this. So I think to me, <laughs> they embellish it as the years go on and give it more and more of an explanation as the song kind of takes on its own life, I think. Um, I don't know. If you if you look at interviews from the early days and then to more recent, you see them get a lot deeper and a little wax a little more poetic with it. So who really knows? I don't know. Yeah, I just I muted myself. Sorry. Go ahead, Ed. Go ahead. I, was I just recently saw some more recent year interviews with Joe Walsh and Don Henley about that. And they both basically said the same thing. Said so basically, in a nutshell, it's about um, young and inexperienced people coming to California, and then basically um, going through that that growing up, or I forget how how they exact 
exactly they put it, but Hotel California is the California experience going to California and that would what, what you experience once you get there. I think Guns yes. N' Roses wrote a song about that too, didn't they? <laughs> well, yeah, so there's that fucking song. Um but I- I did hear a good story about life in the fast lane, how it got that okay, title. Yes, yes. But uh, Don Henley was saying he was in the uh he was in a car with his drug dealer and they were going like ninety miles per hour down the road and he's and and this he it's he says to him, This is life in the fast lane or something like that. So that's where he got the title. There you go. Well and then one day you're honored at the Kennedy Center. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. <laughs> so if you had to pick an album that you would say is your absolute favorite what what are you all going to choose you can only choose one damn i'm not going first <laughs> i'd say probably their first greatest hits album no uh, it can't yeah. be a greatest hits. <laughs> no. what the fuck that's that's not fair <laughs> Okay. It has to be a studio yeah, that's, album. That's sold would, more copies than any of their other albums. I would have <laughs> to say matter. Hotel California then for me. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, I got to say Hotel California also. Huh. Um. Shit. <laughs> I'm not going to say Hotel California. <laughs> I would probably say um, it's between one of these nights and the long run. I can't tell you why Oops is on the long run. Um, And so is Heartache Tonight. Um, I can't tell you why it's my favorite song of theirs. Um... One of these nights is probably my second favorite song of theirs. Um, and I love Take It to the Limit. Take It to the Limit is one of those songs when it comes on, you just have to stop and just like, you've got to sing along. It's it's such a great, it's such a great song. I I have to say it's between those two. And if I had to choose between those two, it's going to be the long run. Yeah. Okay, not going to be Hotel California. <laughs> we're talking favorite songs. Um, I know Take It Easy is up there with me too. I really like that one. That might be. I might have. I might have to go to Hotel California for my favorite. That's always been. Witchy Woman is up there for me as well. But, uh, I Take love... It Easy has been one of my always can sing along with that one, and uh, that's a lot of that's a fun song. I think that Witchy Woman doesn't get the, um, I don't think it gets the accolades that it should. And I think that's maybe because of the title. But if you listen to that song. Oh, it's, it's a great song. I love the groove. With, oh, my. That's what I mean. Like, listen to that isolated without the vocals. And it is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Let me play an example for you guys. Yes. This song Absolutely, I, I should say this is this is my top in my top three. Mm-hmm. 
Sparks fly from her fingertips. Such a good song. That's definitely up there for me. So let's talk controversies with the band. Let's do it. So what do you guys think about, I mean, what what controversies do you know of with this band? Well, I know that uh, Don Felder and Glenn Fry at a certain point of man could not stand each other and could not be around each other. And I think they actually got into a fight on the stage and that was at their yeah. last performance. Yeah, they actually, yeah, they, they were, were like, their, their first breakup. Yeah. yeah, they were literally on the same page about kicking each other's asses like three songs before the end of the set. Like like you at they've talked about in separate interviews how they were both literally on the same page about getting into a fight after the show was over. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, then, there, there there was a great behind the music that talked about that. Well, then you yeah. had um I you know they they all had their issues with substances. But, uh Joe Walsh I think was the most extreme out of all oh, yeah. of them. And when they got back together in 1984, you know, they told that was their condition uh, for him getting back with the band is he had to go come, he had to go clean. And he said he'd been clean ever since 94 when he got back together with them. So. Yeah, Joe Walsh had some serious issues. Um, and you could just, the way he talks, if you ever hear him, is kind of, it, it almost sounds like they did some damage to his brain or something the way he because he's he kind of almost sounds like he's drunk a little bit when he talks it's almost like a like a ozzy osbourne in a little bit but to a do you watch degree. big mouth do you ever watch big mouth what's that what it's on oh my god you have to watch it it's on netflix it's well, kind i don't of have like, netflix that's why i don't know the hell <sighs> edward Okay, this is your homework for the holidays. <laughs> Find it on YouTube. I don't care what you have to do. You have to watch Big Mouth. So they have Joe Walsh <laughs> as a bizarre random, just such a random character. And he's just to- like that. He's totally fucked up and like, yeah, like brain. I mean, this is terrible to say, but like he's had some, you know, he's got some issues with uh, being all there. And uh, it's hilarious. So is it like a uh, like a variety? Show? What? No. I have no idea. What is it? Is it a sitcom cut type of? No, show? it's about um, it's about these kids in middle school that are coming into puberty, and it's like the one of the focals is they they all have a hormone monster, <laughs> <laughs> and there's so much about it that I don't care, girl, boy neither either straight okay. whatever you resonate and go whether you want to admit it or not you're just like oh my god i i felt that one deep like the like just what they go through is so amazing okay um and what this face is oh you know me in names of actors is the hormone monster um oh my god i love him so much jesus it'll come to me anyway um so Nick Kroll is one of the like voices and Maya Rudolph is the female hormone monster. Uh, and 
She is so incredibly amazing at it. Um, Conan O'Brien had her on his podcast and he was like, okay, look, all I really need you to do is just say bubble bath because (laughs) the way she puts on this voice of this horm- the female hormone monster, I'm not going to be able to do it well, but she's, it's something like, you need to get into a butt bath. <laughs> it's like, so fucking amazing. Oh, gosh. Um, why can't I think of the guy who is, oh my God, the male hormone monster for the boys? It, Son of a- you, it's Nick Kroll. Didn't you say it was Nick Kroll? No, it's not Nick Kroll who's the hormone monster. He's one of the kids. Oh, oh. Oh, I can see him in my... Maurice is his Maurice the hormone monster. That's his name, Maurice. Um, I don't think he's the horn. I don't know. Anyway, the show is incredible. You have to I watch it. it up. Nick Kroll is the voice of the. Oh, is he? Maurice, I thought it was. Monster. Yeah, you were right. I can't think of who I thought it was, but why they have Joe Walsh as a random character on the show, I don't know. <laughs> It is so weird that all he's like comes into the school and he's just like hanging out. It's so bizarre. And then um, they have oh, it'll come to me. I'm gonna do it again. Um, there's a the ghost of Duke Ellington lives in one of the kids' <laughs> attic, and he's clearly was gay um, when he was alive, where he's gay as a as a ghost. Um, and so he gives um, terrible advice to one of the kids, and then. Like I said, Maya Rudolph is the hormone monster, monstress. And um, she, oh God, she's so amazing. There, It's just an incredible show. You have to watch it. All right. I'll definitely have to check that out. Then oh, you're going to get to the. It's animated? Yeah, it's animated. Yeah. Oh, yes. okay. I don't usually like animated, but this show is everything. And you're going to forget that the reason I told you to watch this is because of Joe Walsh. And then one day, uh, maybe I don't know if it's the first season or second season that Joe Walsh character is going to show up, and you're going to die laughing because it's so random and so strange. But they make him out to be exactly how you were describing him. Okay, <laughs> just super fucked up. So sorry for that um, that deviation. Hmm. So, um, okay, other than wanting to beat the shit out of each other and breaking up because they wanted to beat the shit out of each other and having a lot of substance abuse problems. um, So Glenn Fry has said, uh, again, to go back to this discussion, this is why I think it's so funny. So Glenn Fry said once, well, it was the song Hotel California that broke us up. (laughs) (laughs) So... He felt that the song created such, um, the song and the album created such popularity for the band that they couldn't take it. And um, he claimed that Don Henley um, got such a big head because of it. <laughs> so, you know, the huge, the huge stuff. The typical. Egos. Yeah. Yeah. I think it was probably yeah. what we talk about a lot, which I think it's, you're young you come into a shit ton of money and fame, but there's also pressure, like pressure that I can't imagine. Oh, yeah. Yeah, when you're um, a 20, you know, 25 year old male, you're just not ready. Most aren't ready to handle that. All that stuff coming out of it one time. 
and you know that's why they just go nuts yeah it was a it was a tough i mean i'm sure most young artists feel it like you said ed but uh it was tough for them because you know from all intents and purposes don henley was a the definition of what everyone would call him a worry wart. He was a workaholic. Um, you know, there's, you know, the reason that Bernie Ledden quit for the first time was that he thought that they were overworking themselves, you know, in 1975. And he said that he quoted saying leaving was an act of survival because mm -hmm. Don Henley, once he got there and he basically was like, okay, now we got to stay here. So there was just, you know, it, it was an amalgamation of a lot of different things, but I think definitely overworking themselves to stay where they had gotten definitely led to that as well. Absolutely. And I think yeah. just, you know, the pressure of all of that, I think people don't realize, you know, when your livelihood and your reputation, you know, are so connected to a body of work that you're supposed to make better and better and better and better every time, which is impossible. You know what that does to human beings, especially so young. And then just like, sure you, I mean, look at how rare it is. Imagine like the kids you were hanging out with when you were young, that you just not even that you got to know each other and liked each other because you had a bunch of shit in common, but you were kind of just looking for music, like people that made music. Now imagine having to stick through some, like some of the most difficult, but amazing and challenging times in your life together. You don't know those people like that. And I think that's so underrepresented often when we talk about, musicians and artists and bands and you know that especially when they get fame so young i mean are you're not even equipped to handle life yet normally you know and then add all of that to it and all the pressure and the money and you know also being told yes all the time i think it's mm -hmm. important that people are told no especially when they're young and that you know <clears throat> It should be hard because you have to work hard at it, not hard because the pressure will break you. And I think that's unfortunate that that happens so often. And it's sad because, you know, imagine if the record labels, imagine if record labels existed to, to cultivate artists and, and help them grow up and help them continue almost like a music teacher, right? What's the function of a music teacher? It's to teach you how to play technically. It's to teach you music theory, but they are also there to provide you with confidence. And they tell you when, no, you're not, you're not ready for that yet. You know, let's do this first and then we'll get to that piece. And, you know, this is what you're naturally talented at. This is what you're not. Imagine if that's what record labels did. How different do you think the music industry would be? Like, truly, like, how many artists do you think would still be alive? Like, that serious. Yeah. If that was the point of the decision makers. And yeah, then like the other, eliminate like the critics. Yeah, exactly. Like the good coaches, not the mm -hmm. unhealthy coaches, but making sure they're living healthy lifestyles, that they're 
they're doing this at a pace that's healthy for them, that they get personal lives. It's not about the bottom line. I mean, art shouldn't be, you know, it should. Well, yeah, but that's the thing is the record companies are all about the bottom line. Well, yeah, well, their days are numbered. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it's uh, I suppose, you know, in, in, in some ways, you know, a good producer or a manager can kind of fill uh, some of those roles and some may to a certain degree. But um, as I was just thinking, it's a, hearing about that, it's amazing that there are bands that stick together for so many decades, you know, bands like Def Leppard, bands like Metallica without succumbing to that. Although Metallica did come very close. Um, they went through some hard times um, in the middle of their career, but uh, yeah, they, they, they battled through it and, and they're still going strong today. So it's definitely rare. And it's rare that they're mostly all alive, you know, mm-hmm. especially with getting fame like that and having fame for so long. And, um, <clears throat> it's sad, you know, it's sad that that's what helps to cripple so many artists and so many of our great bands. I think that a band like this, the reason I brought that up is I think this brand would have been a great example of, you know, not being held to a timeline with turning out records and having to do X amount of tours and shows and just being shoved together all the time with such intense and immense pressure and if there was someone really that was there to guide them and manage them properly, you could manage somebody like Don Henley and make sure that, you know, he doesn't really have the power to overwork people, you know, which is an absolutely fair point. And, you know, finding everyone's strengths and making sure that they play together. I think I think the band would have lasted a lot longer together. And I think we would have had some more amazing music because of that. But the timing is big on that, too. I think that there was such a small window for them to to be guided like that before they became too big that i think that once that train got rolling i don't i think it was just destined we've seen so many bands who have done sort of the same formula where they just come right out of the gate they're flying high and it's their own train that derails them eventually i mean how many bands have we know. talked about on the show? You know? I don't know if that's true, though. I don't think that's true. I think what you're seeing is they haven't reached that success yet. They're still um, they're still somewhat without structure. They're they're still somewhat they're still so excited to to work and excited to make music because they've been given a shot and they've been given an opportunity. And then that wanes and it becomes a job, a business. And you're aware that it's a business. You have to make X amount of records. That's what the contract says. You have to do X amount of tours because that's what the contract says. You have to play this many shows. And that's that's how they, I know, I was in the business. I mean, that's how it works. This many shows, sell this much of this, sell this much of that. Um, it's it that's brutal to do. So I think when you see these bands like flourish early in their career and then have difficulty later, I think that's because it becomes a business. Mm-hmm. That makes perfect sense. Hmm. So um, I think we should end on the story of how the band got their name. 
I don't even. Do you know guys know this? Do not have <laughs> nope. about that. Let's do it. Well, I'm interested. So apparently, again, you have to take all this shit with a grain of salt. <laughs> um, they were hanging out and taking peyote and drinking tequila. <laughs> Um, on a group outing in the Mojave Desert uh, to get inspiration to write music, right? Um, now, accounts vary, like I said. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Don, who had not yet joined the Eagles, he was not at the desert, um, said that this is not how the band's name happened, but the rest of the band wants to go with this story. And said they were definitely out in the desert. They were drinking tequila, taking peyote. And um, someone remembered reading something about the Hopi Native American uh, tribe, who the eagle was one of their main symbols and spirit animals. And um, so they, you know, it came to him in the desert that we should be the eagles. Well, then someone else said no. Um, <laughs> Glenn Fry was totally fucked up and just looked up in the in the sky all of a sudden and went eagles because there was all these eagles flying above them. I guess it was daylight. I don't know. Um, and then someone else said no, no, no. It was a friend of the band um, <laughs> named oh, Steve Martin who said no. I suggested they should just be called the Eagles. I just thought you know. The Eagles was a popular symbol at the time, you know, and uh, it was kind of of the moment and it would just be an easy, great name. Who the fuck knows? I like the peyote story better. Well, of course you do. Come on, man. (laughs) I mean, you always want it to be some kind of story and it just seems fitting that these guys would and literally like the tequila, the peyote, the desert and the Hopi tribe. Got it. I think they're full of shit, but that's just me. Yeah. (laughs) All right. So it's time to wrap it up. We are done, done, and done with 2021. And uh, I appreciate you guys. We've been doing this for how many years now? Five? This is our fifth year. Yep. Five years. Five yeah. years. And somehow we have listeners that are still listening five years in. I don't know why, but thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I think that um, I think what's cool is that we've kept we've stuck to our guns with the show. Um, we've through all of the changes through all of the strife that we've all had in our lives we've been through so many things together you know moves to some of us across the country some of us just south um children being born children being married Mm -hmm. graduations some of us have had divorces and remarriages um job changes life changes pandemics so so many things and uh, we still manage to bust out episodes as often as we can and talk about what's important. Is And it's nice, I got to say, closing out season three here, um, it's nice to have something that's a constant, kind of a, a little bit of stability through all yes. this time. You know, it's something that we can all get together 
and just forget about everything and just concentrate on doing the show and having a good time. That's what I like. I agree. This has definitely been a healthy thing to break away and just focus on what band are we talking about? What's the battle going to be? What are we going to argue about potentially? What are we drinking? (laughs) It's definitely been awesome. And like you said, all the guests throughout the years that have joined us and especially this year, we're so fun and I'm so appreciative and I'm appreciative of you guys that we're still here doing this thing. And um, next year, I think, you know, I will definitely be settled a lot more and um, have more time, hopefully, <laughs> so that we can, you know, get back to a little bit of structure and doing some some big battles. That's right. Getting the gloves oh, yeah. back on. And if anyone has any suggestions for any battles they would like to see, go ahead and email us. What's our email? Is it metalrockwhiskey at gmail.com? Yes, it is. Or Instas. The Instas. Metal Rock Whiskey. Yes. At Metal Rock Whiskey. Put a a comment on the YouTubes, which is Metal Rock and Whiskey. Um, No, we're not going to cover Kiss. I mean, we could. So I got to tell you guys real quick, <laughs> after our <laughs> Smooch the Band episode, I had a lot of people contact me personally on Instagram and say, oh, I thought you were really going to cover Kiss. What the fuck? Oh, I was so excited. What is this crap? And I'm like, <laughs> do you really want me to cover your favorite band when you know how much I hate this band? Is that what you really want? And a lot of them said yes. Yeah. So... <laughs> Maybe we might have our season premiere topic. I will tell you, (laughs) Gene Simmons did. I will. How do I say this? I hated him 100%. Well, I hate him 95%. Maybe I only hate him 90% now because he did some stuff recently that I was really happy he spoke up for and went to bat for. So interesting. Yeah. Mm, we'll see. Mm, I don't know. But uh, maybe, maybe you guys might not like what I have to say, though. So Hopefully we'll just leave it at maybe for now. Maybe. Yeah, we'll see. We've and got I a can't huge read. list. Yeah. yeah, we do. Uh, I can't reiterate enough. Um, thank you to all the guests we had uh, this season and in past seasons. Uh, the show is an ever-growing fabric, and every time we have a guest on, you're part of the family. So, you know, you're always going to be part of what we grow here. And, uh, you know, especially, you know, just to list a couple, Paul Haleko, of course. Uh, we had E.T. from Jack Daniels on this season, One Hit Wonders. Uh, the Austral- Our Australian friends, Vic Whiskey and Adrian. Britt Lightning from Vixen. Yeah, Britt Lightning from Vixen. We had the TLE podcast, um, Amy and Erica. One of our Um, funniest shows. All one of our funniest shows. Uh, (laughs) Just you're all part of the family. So we just like personally thank you from the bottom of my heart, from the bottom of our hearts for being a part of this journey with us. 100%. Yep. Yeah, yeah. And I think what's going to be fun about next year is, you know, fingers crossed, hopefully travel will be a little bit safer and gathering will be a little bit safer. Let's hope all the way safe soon enough. 
Um, so, you know, in more in-person stuff and um, some visits and more interviews with, with people will be, we definitely have that in the plans if it's safe. So, yes. Yeah. And thanks, you guys. Thanks, guys. Oh, thank you. Thank, thank you. you. Thank, thank you. you. You guys are great. <laughs> All right, enough of this. <laughs> <laughs> no, but really, thank you to my to my podcast and Whiskey Brothers. I love you guys. Thanks for having my back always and hanging out with me and talking shit. It's been fun. Yes. And just so everybody draw. knows, those who are following, um, F bombs, five thousand sailor zero. So that CEO life is going real well. <laughs> Fuck it. And with that, <laughs> close it up, guys. All right. Well, thank you, everyone. Social medias, of course. You can find us at Metal Rock and Whiskey on Instagram. You can find us on Twitter at Metal Whiskey. Please ask to join our Facebook group, as always, Metal Rock and Whiskey on Facebook. We love letting people in. You can find me personally on Instagram at the Whiskey Obsessor. That is Whiskey, save the E. Sailor? I'm Sailor Guevara, right? Yeah, all over the place. That's Sailor G-U-E-V-A-R-A. Also, Sailor Cocktails, if you want to check out my little cocktail company. And uh, we'll be releasing something in time for Christmas, by the way. It's not so little anymore. <laughs> Sailor's kick ass cocktails right there. It's actually not. Yeah! And represent! Yes. (laughs) I love it. It is not so little anymore. Um, So we might be doing some integrated events next year virtually as well. So stay tuned for that. But yeah, we're going to be releasing our very own Metal Rock and Whiskey cocktail mix. Just a little dabble do ya inside your favorite whiskey. Um, so that'll be coming soon too. And um, we, you can join my cocktail club, but guess what? There's only five spaces left. I kind of always envisioned it to be an intimate gathering um, so that our events weren't too big and it was something that I could handle and really focus on being creative with. And we've just about reached the ideal number that I wanted to reach. Mm-hmm. So there's only five spots left. So if you want to join, sailorgavara.com. Don't miss out. Or you can't. And they're full. Okay, cool. (laughs) (laughs) I wish. (laughs) I mean, yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe. And what about you? Uh, If anyone is interested in following my hijinks, they can usually find me on Instagram at Bourbon Geek. If you like whiskey, if you like bass pounds. Yeah, <laughs> and other random assorted and, and cooking, chewing, yeah, chewing you, on random stuff. And you also cook quite well, Ed, and you oh, showcase that I try. often. I try. You do. I can. So, tell. and now we're closing out season three. So Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah. So Happy New Year, Happy New Year. Happy Kwanzaa. Happy Boxing Day. Yep. Boxing Day. Yes. Yes. For our Canadian. Join us next season for another episode of Metal Rock and Whiskey. Boom.
not going to say anything negative at the end of this. Later, Maybe everyone. I'll say we love you. Bye Thank bye. You. Seven women